0: He had me read like three sheets of paper and it was like, I am beautiful. My mom loves me. I am. I am this. I am not this. There was a lot of I am this and I am not this, right? It was like three sheets of it. And he had me read it four or three times through. And it, so all of a sudden I'm reading these sheets, three sheets, a bunch of little, I am beautiful. I am amazing. I am. Oh, I'm okay with being number one. It said, I am okay with being number one. He said, every time. I went through those sheets. I said I am not okay with being number 1. And I put the word not in there cuz the sheets goofed you up. There was like nots and ams mm-hmm. and and it wasn't there and I would put the word not there. And he's like, "Did you notice that?" And I was like, "No." And I'm I was I'm not okay. I'm I wasn't I wasn't okay with being the best water polo player. I was really comfortable with assisting, like being a great assister, but not the not the lead scorer. Like I was never going to be the high scorer. I was never in lane 8 when I was you know, 15. I was always just right in the middle of the pack and very comfortable there. I've never led a race like in my life. I was always, I, I don't even, I wouldn't even know how, honestly. I because don't. Because you've never done it. I've never done it. I don't even know. I don't even know what that feels like. And it was wild to me that he picked that up.
1: That was Marianne Lekas, and this is the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. Welcome back to the YTP episode 82. I'm Jess, your host, and along with my co-founder and co-host BJ, we are the nerve center of yogi triathlete holistic performance, but it goes far beyond BJ and I because YT has grown into a global community of like-minded badasses, athletes, non-athletes, Olympians, world-renowned coaches, entrepreneurs, doctors, vegan crusaders, and authors. We are all on a mission to create a better world, and this mission starts within ourselves. There is a common thread amongst all of us. And because of that, there is no way that we can improve ourselves and not have it impact every being on this earth. This community represents strength and power and not in a selfish desire sort of way, but in a way that is for the good of all, the planet, the people, and the animals. At Yogi Triathlete, we offer triathlon and run training, plant-based nutrition, education and counseling, yoga, mindfulness and meditation, which as our guest today puts it, is the best performance enhancing drug there is. And we've been practicing and teaching this for a long time. We are the ones. There is a trend happening in the realm of athletics and it's founded in the principles of mindfulness right now. I am co-facilitating the M21 challenge. We are on day eight of 21 days of meditation and mindful living. And this group is on fire. We have some of the top athletes in the world participating in this group. And if they stay committed, they will continue to take their athletics to brand new heights, heights, never possible, never possible through just physical training. We know from science, that the neural networks are the unlimited pathways for growth. There is no limits for training our minds. And without this training, we can find ourselves going down a road of self-sabotage and darkness, even if our performances are stellar. It's the game that's being played inside. It's that one, the only one that counts. I am so incredibly honored to be bringing you guys part one of our epic conversation with Mary Ann Lekas today, a woman who is intimately familiar with being one of the best in the world and also the toll that a poor mental game can take. Despite training and keeping up with the best in triathlon and hearing their support of her greatness, she never fully believed in herself. Living a life in comparison to others, Marianne constantly bashed herself around her unworthiness to achieve athletic greatness. Marianne was her own victimizer, and the ill effects of her hurtful mindset led to not one but several deep rock bottoms that forever changed the course of her life. Marianne's story is mired in chronic pain, suffering, and many moments of complete hopelessness. This natural-born athlete shares with us her story— She takes us down the road of her secret life and opens up about her darkest moments and how she learned to live again. This is the first time that Marianne is sharing her story in this level of detail. And for many who are listening, who knew Marianne during her competitive triathlon days leading into the Olympics, we'll be getting a look behind the curtain they never knew existed. As for the rest of us, I expect a listening experience at its completion that is nothing less than jaw-dropping. In today's episode, the first part of our conversation, we follow Marianne's story from her entry point to the pool as a child to competitive water polo team leader while earning her degree at Indiana University to Greece, where she lived and trained in preparation for the 2004 Olympics. She raced on the ETU-ITU circuit as a professional triathlete, landing on the podium three times. An extreme training regimen, paired with extreme dieting, left Marianne with a major injury just months before the Olympics, followed by a dangerous staph infection mere weeks before her competition. Her coach came to her and presented her her only hope for Olympic glory, a decision that was a character-defining choice. We see the divine design of her path and the struggles that continued to show up for her within her own mind. Her belief in herself came from the outside, from those around her who happened to be world champions and other professional triathletes. But despite their discerning opinion around Marianne's athletic potential, her own support of herself was always short-lived. We leave on a bit of a cliffhanger post-Olympics, and I promise you the second half of this conversation is one that will be hard to believe if you weren't actually hearing it yourself. So remain patient for part two coming next week. We serendipitously met Marianne and her husband, Tommy, who also joins us for the conversation today while volunteering at the Superfrog 70.3 here in San Diego back in September. Over the course of a few hours, we found ourselves bearing our souls to one another, opening up our closets and letting the skeletons drop out. It was a bond that felt relieving, like we had waited all these years just to connect in person. Tommy is a sports psychologist and mindset training specialist who I consider to be Marianne's angel on earth. These two will certainly be in our lives for the remainder of our time here in this Earth School. Marianne works for Two Times U, and I'm excited to say that she has welcomed BJ and I into the Two Times U family as brand ambassadors. And all I have to say is that training in their MCS tights have been game changers for my running and the ability to load my legs. So this divine connection is just one more lesson in keeping all channels open. Had BJ been too busy to help Marianne when she came to him with a question at the race that day, we wouldn't be bringing you this amazing conversation. There are a few F-bombs and such throughout the conversation, and I know many of you listen with kids in the car, so you can decide how you want to navigate that, but the delivery of story in full authenticity is our commitment, and Mary Ann certainly delivers with massive generosity. The ultimate lesson here for all of us is one of self-love. So many of us, including Mary Ann, are so generous with our hearts, but the true challenge is turning that love inward, to be in full reception of our own divine affection. I'm not quite sure where else to go with this intro other than directly into our conversation with the lovely, inspiring, honest, and beautiful woman that I am so honored to call a friend, Marianne Likas. So here we are. Yeah, thank this you. This has been a long time coming, but not that long of a time coming. Oh, when I found uh, BJ on the beach. <laughs>
0: Excuse me. Yeah, so that, are you busy? that was pretty
2: funny. Like volunteering at Super Frog.
0: You were so official though. you were wearing that tag. I knew you were somebody <laughs> important there.
2: Yeah. And I was running back to come back to get you because to switch off. And you, you said, uh, are you, Excuse a, me? Yeah, are you in a hurry?
0: Or? Are you in a hurry? Cause you were jogging up the beach. Of course he's in a hurry. He's jogging up the beach. And you were so polite. You're like, no. And I was like, Oh great. Can you help me find my husband who's racing? I don't know where, where you were in the race. And we were trying to, Jula and I were trying to not miss you Uh and bj somehow was like he will be passing by in nine minutes let's check up let's take the
2: app pick up the app and see where your friend is right now
0: because i don't know why i (laughs) wouldn't download the app i'm so app averse (laughs) i'm like oh another app oh no
1: (laughs) that's me yeah like i'll download it like like if i see a like messenger it's like you gotta download the app i'm like oh mother yeah so i'll download it and then i'll be like I'll delete it right after I get the message, yes, you have know, the same. I what just is don't, that? I don't know. I like the cleanliness. I don't, and I don't Catch like being it. told that I have to do something.
0: Yeah. So I was app averse <laughs> on the day my husband's <laughs> racing his first half Ironman. I don't even have the app. And I'm like asking random strangers where he is. Have you seen my husband? <laughs> but it was, no, there's about a thousand people here. We don't know who he is.
1: <laughs> but it's perfect. That's how the universe works. Like you were drawn over to BJ. I mean, who wouldn't was, be? And um, yeah. and then you came back to the booth, and you were just like, I just those people over there. I just met them, and <laughs> really, really like we're going to be connected with them. And now like, here you are in our sweet little podcast studio, crash. Crash pad slash home. What? Cacao. 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 Haven. cacao yeah. Yes. Haven. Yeah, we got him on the cacao, So, <laughs> we're gonna, which opening. we're realizing is our way into people's hearts. To, thank you, Nola. Yes, thank you.
2: Podcast, podcast. Did we get what, it? three or something?
1: Yeah, <laughs> our friend Nola. That's who we get it from. But uh, so, Clark, that's enough. Thank you. So you guys are down here. For, you're, you live up in north of LA in Thousand Oaks, which feels very, is that very like... Fam- Why do I feel like that's really like family?
0: It's where like- LA people, when they first like want to leave from Venice or Santa Monica, and they had their first one kid, now they've got two, they're like, oh, we need a yard.
3: So, so they, they go to moved to Thousand
0: Oaks or Westlake Village. But we moved there because he's uh, Tommy here is a huge cyclist, or now triathlete, but started in cycling. And I remember after he got his master's in sports psych, which was up in San Jose, Pleasant Hill... When he was, we got to move. He's like, we got to move. And I want to move somewhere where I can ride my bike out the door. He's like, I don't want to get sideswiped by cars. I don't want people throwing barbecue sauce at me. Because that has happened.
1: I got um, a soda, like a fountain soda thrown at me once. I'm like, I am somebody's daughter. (laughs) What is that? I ducked and I was like, "Mm mm-hmm, didn't even hit me. I was like, I just got like the straw, the whole thing was like the ice and the soda was like in the air. I'm like, oh my god. You didn't do like a a flash dance. Like ah no, I'm surprised (laughs) at that point in my life that I didn't like ride harder and like jump onto like the back of their car like out of like a movie and then just like
2: swinging your mouth. Oh my gosh.
0: Yeah, he's come home before with barbecue sauce all over his yeah. spokes and it him. It Came and
3: out of a uh, out of a concrete mixing truck. Ooh. The uh, the driver was mad. I, I stole 22 seconds from him uh, oh crossing God. over into the lane that was merging anyway. through it and it hit in, It hit my front wheel and obviously exploded right yeah. away. I didn't know what it was till I got home and cleaned it. <laughs> well, so the it it thing exciting. you used the
1: barbecue sauce and not the truck because that's in the massage world. That's what we would call a power differential. Oh, yes. Like in massage, like they used to teach us about that. Like and the person's on the, the person's on the table and they're like naked under the sheets and you're like above them, you know, and you're in charge. Ooh. It's the power differential Ooh. and you have to be really yeah. in, cognizant. Yeah, cognizant of that. And yeah. so anyway, that, I wave that would and, be like a yeah. cement truck and a cyclist. Yeah.
3: yeah. I just gave him a wave and went on about my day. <laughs> yeah. Anyways.
1: So you don't seem too threatening.
0: So we hmm. moved to Thousand Oaks because we, lo- we knew the cycling was great there. We had met in what town? Woodland, Woodland Hills, Hills. Mm-hmm. we met there, which is really close to Thousand Oaks, and we had been working for a nonprofit called Ride to Recovery, which is you go ahead and you explain yeah. it so much better than I
3: do. Um, it it's an it's an organization that uh, at the time uh, when it was Ride to Recovery, it's now moved into something else. It's called Project Hero, which more meets the Ride to Recovery didn't um, meet the the. Uh, mission that now uh, Project Hero does, but it, it was a, at the time it was an organization that uh, helped wounded and injured uh, veterans and active duty service members recover through the activity of cycling, and it still specializes in that. But there's a whole uh, mental component another now. slew of uh, it's a much more holistic approach, uh, working with the individuals um, on uh, you know the mental uh, components, health, nutrition. Um, off the bike, family integration, um, job preparedness, things of that nature. So it's, that was, uh, we met yeah, five, over mm-hmm. five years ago and the organization has grown just as we have. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So
1: are you still with them?
3: I actually just, uh, took a position with them, uh, at the beginning of this month, uh, as their mental skills coach. Very cool. Uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I I, uh, am going to be working with all of their participants uh, on the mental uh, approach to not only the bicycle, um, but also all their other endeavors. Uh, You know, no matter what we take part in, you know, it can't, we can't walk from here outside of the car without there being a mental component. And when your mental side is not in alignment with your physical side, you'll never perform to the maximal capabilities that reside within inside you. Uh, it's not until we bring those into 100% harmony that we're able to be all that we are. And so that's what I have the privilege of working with those individuals on.
1: And your your background is in sports psychology, is that correct? I have a
3: master's in that. Yes, yeah, I got a master's. And so
1: I love. We had another sports psychologist on on the podcast uh, before, and so I love. My sister's a clinical. um, What is she? Clinical psychologist, maybe. Clinical psychologist. Anyway, she works with like healing trauma and stuff, and she Mm -hmm. talks a lot about this like Mm -hmm. alignment and you know the misalignment and everything. And it's funny because. What you're talking about is in like the yogi world, we're talking about full presence. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. presence is the only place where you're fully available, Mm -hmm. where all of your intelligence is available, your creativity, your strength, your focus, your ability to love, Mm -hmm. your ability to understand, your ability to feel. No other place is it available, yet we spend no time, nor are we ever trained on on living in the present moment and so you know the mind the way I understand it is that the mind is bases off of past experience to project into the future like the mind depends on time like clock time and that it's not necessarily designed to sit in total stillness and quiet of experience without using itself as labeling analyzing because that's what it does <laughs> But that doesn't mean that we can't train it to be a part of that and getting, um, as I would say, getting all of our faculties going in the right direction, yeah. in the same direction, mm-hmm. I should yeah, say. Yeah, absolutely. It's just that we've never been taught this.
3: Well, it's awareness is yes. the absolute foundational building block upon which all action is built. We're not able to do anything without any awareness of it. I can't hand these to you if you're not aware of it. You can't receive them. You can't take them back. Otherwise, I will just maybe drop them or... They'll just remain out there. So it begins with the awareness, and most people don't understand that awareness to or how to access it or develop it, maybe. Yes. And it's once we develop that awareness that we then have the ability to train our mental skills just as we do the physical. Because we didn't get on the bike and make it from here to Los Angeles you know, the very first time we rode. Or maybe we did, but it was very, very painful. It's not as efficient as it may be as five years down the road. But it, through all that training, that dedicated work and harnessing that energy and the mental skills, we have the exact same ability to train those. And it's the same process.
0: It's tough, I think, for athletes because athletes, we're so data-driven. We want to see improvements. And that mental is so... We're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll do that. We'll do that. It's always on the bottom of the to-do list. But if you somehow figure out with people like you, Tommy and you, Jess, on how to incorporate it, just like we incorporate, we know to incorporate nutrition. That's all pretty new. But back in the day when I was in college, you know, we were doing stuff on, you know, what, cheddar quesadillas and barbecue (laughs) sauce was my go-to meal. But, um, But, you know, yeah. But... You know, as you get older and wiser, you start, you know, becoming, well, like for us here, vegan, but other people are like, okay, they, they start thinking about what they're putting in their body. But now you see it, you see some of the top performing athletes talking about that mental component, whereas the ones that aren't there yet, they're so still chasing the physical, which is what we were talking about before, you know, we even started here today. We're so caught up in the physical that we feel like if we give any chunk of that pie, to the mental, then we're missing out. We're going to be less physical. Oh God, I got it. But I got to catch up to so-and-so, so-and-so. I can't, I don't have time for that little, but that's so important. That little pie piece, if I can put it in that visual, if you stick in that pie piece of mental, that pie will be complete. You're little like picture a trivia pursuit pie, you know? And if you just stick in that mental piece as an athlete, I feel like Forget it. Right. it's going to
1: tighten everything up. And when you're missing that piece of the pie, everything's a little bit looser. Everything's a little bit less stable.
3: And when you... Sorry. No, go ahead. And when you take a group of athletes that all have the nearly similar physical abilities, what is the differentiating factor between the one who wins and the guys who go two through five? The mental skills. Mm -hmm. Because they have the same... You know, ability in the in the water, no matter what the discipline is, a basketball court, etc. They have that same physical ability, but there's something that differentiates mm-hmm. the individual who finishes first that day. Um, you know, maybe through five, because not every person wins every time. Mm-hmm. The same person. Mm-hmm. What I was going to
2: point to was that the reason why they don't do the mental piece, and you're not getting that instant feedback. So mm-hmm. in training, and and I'm seeing this more and more as I, as I put myself into the yoga community coming from more of a sports athletic background. The piece of meditation or the piece of yoga, you're not getting instant, you're not getting an instant increase in your 5K time, like mm-hmm. down to like six minute pace. Like you don't see that. However, there's that faith and belief that we talk about where you have to invest in the time to, to, to unwrap and peel back all the layers of things that have been building up To get down to who you truly are and your potential which is already there you just have to shed these layers because Mm -hmm. it's 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 there and if you just believe that that piece will take you to the next level it it's it's absolutely going to Mm -hmm. like i i can say i've been caught up in data like caught up in the time and looking down at my watch and since i have detached from my watch i really don't race with a watch anymore and i've spoken about this but then i may go back to using a watch
1: yeah, because just you to, don't... Just to check in. Because to say, like, I never race with a watch and I'm never... That's it's you. It's putting hard lines. That's, you, that's right. ego, right? Coming right. in and being like, well, here's a line and you can't cross it. If you cross yeah. it, then you failed on this. But right. it's like, no, but I'm, screw I'm all being,
2: that. I'm being absolutely present in who I am as an athlete today, not who I am two weeks mm-hmm. ago or mm-hmm. two years ago. It's like, who am I today and how can I best prepare for the race I'm approaching mm-hmm. in two weeks? Like, mm-hmm. that's what I want to be. And getting into that mindset... Is the component, because if you go to a race, pre-race talk or whatever, you look around Mm -hmm. and you see all the nervous faces and like, whatever the sport is, you're just, people are like freaking out and they have all these crazy questions and just like, you should be calm. Like, these are the things you, you, if you have confidence... And you've taken the time to mentally prepare and physically prepare Mm -hmm. and you know your capabilities and you have unwavering faith and belief in yourself, then all that other stuff is just noise, right? Absolutely. And and, and it's just feeding. It just wants Mm -hmm. you. It's like, it, it wants you to come in. It's like, yeah, there's doubt. Like, you're not not a good enough swimmer, right?
0: I, oh God, I have like a tightness in my chest because you're like literally describing me right now and I'm having PTSD of the days of racing. (laughs) I'm like, oh my
1: God, that was me. (laughs) All right. Well, let's, you know what? Let's dive into you. Yeah. Let's just dive into you. You got enough cacao in you?
0: I got, my heart is open. I got the crunchy little (laughs) cacao nibs here. From Nori. Nori's her name? Nola. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Nola. My heart is open to you. Um, wow, where do we start? Where do we start? When did you
1: get into, was it, did you get into triathlon or were you a swimmer or a runner or when did it all begin?
0: Let's see. I, this is what's awesome about Chicago. I grew up in Chicago and... I was playing basketball, I was obsessed with basketball. But then some lady, like in Chicago, there's park districts. I'm sure you were East Coast. Mm -hmm. And park districts have a quota. They've gotta get kids in certain sports. And so this lady comes to the basketball court and she's like, you have good ball handling skills you need to play water polo for me. And it was, you know, shallow, deep pool. It was like, it was, you don't, water polo traditionally is played in all deep pool, but this is like little kids. We're like 11. And she's like, it's just like basketball, but you're in the water. So that's what it looked like. It looked like a bunch of kids playing basketball in the water, you know, pushing off the ground and doing, but I loved it. I was like, I need to know more about this. So that's it. I started swimming late. Uh, I started swimming like at a pool, you know, my parents, are Greek so we're they're foreign and they worked all day and they're immigrants so they weren't like driving us to sports like how it is now you know it was like you walk you walk to practice you walk everywhere so after school we couldn't wait in the summers in Chicago to go to this pool I met a bunch of kids there and one kid finally Renee Bowen that was her name she's like oh come to swim team with me and this is later on in life I'm really skipping fast into the swimming I was probably 15 she's like you're a good swimmer you need to you know why don't you come to the pool with me come to my swim team and I was like okay it was a club team I got on deck I was probably wearing like some rainbow suit who knows like a stylish one you know just didn't know what was these kids had caps they had goggles I had like a low ponytail (laughs) (laughs) I showed up and the coach goes so Renee and all these like older kids go in lane eight there's an eight lane 25 yard indoor pool at the higher edge YMCA in Chicago and uh Renee goes where the big kids go, and the coach like grabs me. He's like, no, no, you go here. And it was like 10-year-olds and like 11, nine, maybe not. I'm, so, I'm sure there's some 9-year-olds. And me, like 15, developed, you know, starting again. Feeling
1: super comfortable yeah. about yourself. Yeah, and I was like, I didn't
0: even know what he was going to say to me. And he goes, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. And I was like, what does that mean? And all these kids just started diving in, doing the 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. And I was like, what? What does that mean? They all knew somehow what 5, 4, 3, 2, 1 meant. Were you a swimmer? No. Yeah. Oh. It was just probably five hundred free. Oh, you still
1: don't. You still don't. No, now do it was, was oh. five hundred free,
0: four hundred back, three hundred breaths, like one hundred kick. You know, but it was a five, four, three, two, one. I guess he started every lane like that, and I was like, "What does that mean?" I looked at him. I was like, "I don't know what you're saying." And he goes, "You just get to that end and back, and that's what you do today, like all day." And so these kids were flip turning next to me. I'd just be like, "What?" I'd stand at the, I'd do a 25 and I would wait there until like the whole lane of kids. It was like one, two, three little flip turns. And I was like, what is going on? And then I would do another 25. And I did this until I knew what 5, 4, 3, 2, 1 was and started moving up in the ranks and trying to get with my friends. Because I literally swam with, you know.
1: Were you feeling, when, were you feeling like the competitive part of Marianne at this point? No,
0: I was, I was feeling like if my friends, I know I'm as good as them in lane eight, so I know I'll be in lane eight. I, there's no way. So like, you were, you so you were feeling yeah. the
1: competitive part.
0: Like, is that competitive? <laughs> <or> is that, <laughs> I'm just as good as them. That's the seed. That's I'm the better one. than them. I was like, I'm getting to lane eight. Um, I, had, I have a lot of young friends still in Chicago because they were, I mean, they still remember me like, you were my lane. And they're like 10 years younger than me. I'm like, that's right. <laughs> so, so I started swimming and I loved it. I loved how hard it was. That's what I think I loved is it was just hard. You were depleted. And I never ran. I was, you know, still playing basketball, swimming, doing this club water polo thing with like Chicago girls and we'd go around playing. And then I get to college. And I go to Indiana University because I was obsessed with Bobby Knight. That is how I chose my college. You
1: didn't know that she had this. BJ had a basketball obsession too. What is that? Mm, I don't know. He was a baller. Is that what they call him? Baller. baller. You were baller.
0: I was a baller. I mean, I'm five one. I know. I was <laughs> about like to say eight. five two, but he always corrects me. <laughs> I finally said it. I'm five one.
2: And I kept trying and trying. I'm yeah. like, why am I trying? Like, I you do were so good else. though. I wasn't so good.
0: You- he was
2: good. But I kept hurting you know, spraining my ankles and yeah. doing all that stuff, and I'm like, I'm done with this. Like, where did you play just before played, you hoop it up? Just <laughs> East Coast style oh, on the yeah, playgrounds yeah. out there.
0: Yeah, that's nah. what too.
2: Um but yeah, but anyway.
0: So yeah. so then I get to college because of Bobby Knight and I play like zero basketball. I get there and I join the men's water polo team because there is no women's, and I start playing with the guys and traveling with them and going to practices with them and and uh Finally, one of the guys says, why don't you just start a women's team? Like, what are you doing with us? Like, you'd get no playing time. They'd throw me in a game, like, the last minute. And, of course, no other team wants to touch the girl or guard the girl. Like, they don't want to be the girl. guy that's guarding the girl. <laughs> so that's I should have awesome. taken You're more advantage of, of that. I should have. I could have gone on fast breaks. I could have been like, you touched my boob! <laughs> and then just taken the ball and scored. Like, I'd be like, what, what? You know? But um, I didn't. I, so, Yeah. Thank you. I, I did have a lot of confidence um, in college. I, I thought I was the shit, you know? I was like, Indiana University, 35,000 people, you know, I'm cool. I, play. I was hooping it up on the courts with these dudes when I got there as a freshman, but then I found water polo. So then uh, I was like, you're right, I should. I should just start a team. So I did the old, like, get a bunch of computer paper and get some, you know, markers, Crayola markers and Sharpies and write, you know, women's water polo meeting, Royer pool, 7 p.m., you know, Wednesday night, whatever it was. And I posted them all over campus, like staple gun and literally just walked around posting them on campus. And two girls showed up to the meeting and they were Chicago girls and they were lefties, both of them. And they had played water polo and lefties is a big deal. It's like hockey to be a lefty in water polo or soccer, it's a big deal to have that lefty shooter. So I was like, oh my God, they're lefties. So now there's three girls on the team. And so I lifeguarded at the pool and I just stalked girls. I just, any good swimmer I saw, I would just tap her feet when she flipped her and I'd be like, you should play water polo on the women's water polo team. They're like, oh, I didn't know there was one. I'm like, it's growing. (laughs) How many women
2: women do you need for a water polo team? Oh
0: my gosh. Well, to have subs and everything. I mean, you need seven with a goalie. In order to have subs and stuff, so you need a little more. So then I recruited one of the guys from the guys' team to coach us. I finally got enough girls. A lot of them were really good swimmers but had zero ball handling skills. It was so just embarrassing, you know, couldn't catch, couldn't throw, but we just taught them fundamentals. And by the end, I'm kind of fast-forwarding here, but by the end of my – it was my senior year, and – It was, you know, the whole Title IX, (laughs) 60-40, you know, Mm -hmm. scholarships. 60% have to be to men, 40% to women. Uh, IU was having some issues, and they were in contention. So they picked four different sports to do a proposal and see if we can add a women's varsity team. And it was crew, field hockey, water polo, and one more. I can't remember the last one. Rowing. Oh, we said crew. Yeah. So anyway, we had to do this big proposal, and... We won. We got it. You know, it was in front of the athletic department. You had to show how many scholarships were available in the Midwest from high schools. How, what are your recruiting efforts going to be from which high schools? It was really in-depth proposals. We worked on that and, um, and we won. We just, we got it. And so they're like, they announced, you know, the, the varsity team is going to be water polo. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm graduating. I'm like, I can't. I built this team from scratch. I can't. I can't graduate. I was like, I can't do it. I was, so I talked to my coach. I was like, what do I do? And he's like, well, you got to drop some classes, and you got to just have some classes. You know, you, if you're a graduating senior, you can have three credit hours and still play. And so you know, having foreign parents, that was pretty easy to tell them like, Oh, I didn't get into some classes. I have to do a fifth year. (laughs) They don't know. They're like, okay, what does that mean? And so I stayed an extra year and played on a women's varsity water polo team so that I was so proud of that like so that's the huge. first time
1: you the first time you had like the full team was you going into that fifth year of school
0: no we had a full team oh you had a full team going into but it like
1: off but that scholarship
0: yeah that's now we're so cool. now we're getting recruits I mean we're a first year varsity team so we're not getting the best recruits but we're getting some solid recruits from Florida you know real players and not girls I tapped on the shoulder and taught <laughs> how to catch and throw you know but they got they got really good by those four years, they got really good. So by the time we made it to that fifth year of varsity, where we were varsity. So, yeah, it was, it was amazing. I mean, we played UCSD. We played USC. We played... I'll never forget the names. Like, I mean, we're in the Midwest, and we're going out here every weekend. We played Pomona Mud scripts and Banana Slugs, whoever these... I just remember the... the mat, I was like, what are these names? And I was obsessed with California because we were always coming out here. I'm like, I've got I've to get out there. I love California. So... In these water polo years I also picked up cycling which have you guys seen breaking away? Yeah. Yes. I use huge. It's a cycling school. It's known for that. So Oh, that's right. Yeah, wasn't Yeah, I raced the little 500. We won my team won twice, two years in a row. So that was huge it was a big deal. So I, was, I became a cyclist and water polo player. And I was a really strong cyclist. Um water polo I was really good. I wasn't the best on the team. Oh, he loved. He, I was a very good stealer. I had strong, strong legs from cycling, like ginormous leg muscles, and I could pop out of that water like, I mean, forget the little whack-a-mole game at Chuck E. Cheese. I was like boing, and then I just knew where the ball was going and steal. So I led in a lot of steals. I was tiny though. I mean, five one. You're not a huge threat. Yeah, but
1: you've got those powerful legs. You can just yeah. like, oh like, yeah. It's so cool when we swim at like Monroe, where the Carlsbad water polo is. The do they have a girls team too? They do have a girls team. Yeah. yeah. I think yeah. I've just always been there with the boys are there. But like I'm swimming but I'm literally like I'm like looking under the water because I'm wanting to see like how they're getting this this absolute like power to come up.
2: Quick and they've power got, too. so like, like, cool. Like one way and then Explosive. right to the next and yeah. then they're swimming. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah.
0: You do. We did a lot of expo- like when we went varsity it was legit. I mean we're training where all the top teams are training. We have athletic trainers. We have strength and conditioning coaches. So... We're doing specific workouts for, for yeah. water polo, but then I'm also cycling, so I'm a dual athlete. We trained at six in the morning and then again at two in the afternoon in water polo. And then water polo would get out at four and I'd go to the, I'd go ride at 5 p.m. So I don't know when I really did homework. I think I was that girl that had the, like the number two pencil behind her ear and I was like, I'm so cool. I'm just gonna take the test. You know, but I paid attention. I went to class, I paid attention, but I can't say but you weren't ta- I was like, it wasn't a priority. Were you,
1: were you taking, but you weren't taking a ton of credits.
0: That fifth year? year. No, it was like three credits. I was in the exercise phys lab. We made up something. I was like doing a power output study on swimmers. And then I think I took some exercise phys course, which, which is what I loved. I was a kines major. So it was the best. I mean, you're playing a varsity sport and you have three credit hours.
1: That's so cool. So So you're just training a ton. So you've got tons of discipline, get the work done. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. Tons of training, cycling training was crazy. I mean, we were riding outdoors. The rule was if it was under 25 degrees, we go indoors. Yeah. So we were like hardcore cyclists. I mean, one girl on my team went pro cyclists. These, they're strong riders. Indiana produces some strong cyclists. So, so I'm cycling and doing water polo in the summers. I'm going home and lifeguarding in Chicago. And I worked at the pony shop, which is a really old, old bike shop. It's one of like the first bike shops in Chicago. And there was a guy there who was like, why don't you do a triathlon? And I was like, what is that? And he goes, well, Mrs. T's is tomorrow. It's, it was Mrs. T's mm-hmm. at the time. I think the year before it was the Sun-Times, and it had just changed to Mrs. T's. It's like
1: iconic mm-hmm. triathlon.
0: What year is this? 95. 95. Oh my gosh, it's so funny. And I mean, I had shoulders that were like this big. I mean, I was oh, thick yes. water polo so player. She had
1: cyclist legs and water polo. Oh my, I have like, pictures
0: and I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, that is not a trial. That's like, I mean, in college they made fun of me because I had such big shoulders. They, call, my exercise fizz professors were like buffalo, because they're like that's a female buffalo because my shoulder, my upper body was so big. So you just see these shoulders on a bike with like profile tri bars. I mean, it was. And I see these so retro. Tiny. I see these retro pictures. I laugh so hard. But I go do Mrs. T's. I sign up that morning. That's how. That's how many girl people were not into triathlon yet. It was nineteen ninety five. You could sign up the day of, I think I signed, maybe I signed up the night before. I didn't even know what the distances were, but when I heard it was a 25 mile bike on Lakeshore Drive, I was like, dude, that's like, that's mine. You. Might, I'm like, you may as well say like, you know, Hey, why don't you go out to the mailbox and get the mail? Right. Like, 25 miles on Lakeshore Drive. It's flat. And I was like, done. And then it was what? 0. 0.9 of a swim. And I was like, okay, rough water. Sw- I can do rough water swimming with people all over me. No problem. But I had never run never never run a 10k I never ran really and so I come out of the water like third I truly don't know how this all works like I didn't they're painting numbers on me and whatever and I come out of the water third and then you don't know what place you're in you're just people everywhere I don't even understand what place I'm in and I was I remember I remember the run. My hands swelling, like swelling. They felt like Shrek hands. I was like, "Oh my god, what is happening?" Everything hurt. I was like, "This sucks." I was like, "This hurts so bad." But I love, I love, I love that feeling of exhausting yourself. And so I was like, "This is awesome." And I seriously think I was running seven thirties, maybe eights. Like it was hard. I didn't. I know I was on a runner. I, I would love to go back and look at those splits if Athlinks has has <laughs> it. I remember my time at Mrs. T's it was a 236. That was my it's first Olympic Olympic, Olympic. Okay. Flat, but yeah. I, I did like
1: your first 10k. First and 10K running off
0: running ever. The bike. Yeah. So then I leave. Pretty good. So then I leave. I drive my Chevy Caprice classic to Indiana University. You know, it was like August 25th or 26th when when the race I think when they had the race, something like that and school started let's say the 28th. So I was driving back from Chicago to Indiana. And I get this call on my phone. I'm, I think I just had my first cell phone, probably then, I'm like dating myself here. It
1: definitely had an antenna that you had yeah. to pull up. <laughs> yeah,
0: and it was like, Ring, yeah. ring, this is so and so from Mrs. T's Triathlon. They're like, You've won an entry to the Ironman. And I was like, What's that? You know? And they're like, You got third overall and first in your age group. And I was like, Great. And they're like, you want an entry to the Ironman. I had left, I didn't stay for awards. I figured they were gonna give me like some Timex watch or something, I was like, I don't need that, let me go to school. And so, I was like, okay, what is that? What explained me to this Ironman thing? And they tell me the distances, and I was like, oh, I was like, this sounds awesome, like real exhaustion. Yeah, I was like, this is a great workout. I was like, this is awesome. And they're like, Hawaii, and I was like, a free trip to Hawaii, and, you and I get to work out. You for Kona at an Olympic. For my first Olympic. I love it. And it's not even an Ironman event. Like, yeah, so, much has so much has changed. So much changed. has changed. So I have no idea what this is. And then I'm like, I'm down. Because I thought they were going to give me a free ticket to Hawaii. <laughs> I thought... <laughs>
3: Roll out the red carpet. An all-inclusive
0: five-nose. <laughs> <yeah>, I was <laughs> like, what? It's
3: <laughs> not naive at service? all. Not in college. No. the price is right, girl, Do you guys
0: have cheddar tortilla and salsa <laughs> so I can have my, my quesadillas while I'm at the hotel? <laughs> so... um. They're like, I was like, so let me get this straight. You know, I was on the phone. I was trying to get the logistics down. I was like, so all, how does this work? And they're like, I was like, you guys pay for this all. They're like, no. I'm like, er, record scratch. <laughs> I was like, dude, I can't even get my parents to pay my rent right now. Cause that's, you know, you're in college. You're supposed to have money to pay your rent lifeguarding, but you don't, you know, you've been, uh, buying too much, uh, you know, quesadillas, quesadillas <laughs> spending your money at Kroger. And so, um, I'm like, yeah, I can't do this. Like what, how much does that cost? Like round trip back with the race entry, which was probably only like maybe 300 then maybe less. Yeah. I don't know. A trip to Hawaii. I don't know. But I was like done. Sorry. No, give it to the next person. Whatever you guys do. I just hung up the phone really had no clue or cared what Ironman was at that point. I was back into my little world of water polo and cycling. So that's like the beginnings of my love for triathlon, Mrs. T's pierogies, which were delicious. Post race too, by the way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we that was probably about the time that we had an event that was sponsored by Mrs. Mrs. T's, and I ate the first one, and I was like, "Oh, it's awesome!" And then I ate like the hundred and fiftieth one in <laughs> one weekend, and I was like, "I'm so sick, I can never." And then was like the I had like I was on like a forty-eight hour Mrs. T's pierogies binge, and then never again. What happened My to whole Mrs. T's? Life. That's know. probably what happened. <laughs> is that people ate them, binged on them, and then was like, "I can never eat another one again." Oh my god!
3: So good, they put themselves out of business.
1: I think they did. (laughs) Yep. So all right. So you go and you finish out the the fifth year, and then what happens after that? Because now you're like you're back. You're in triathlon.
0: I'm in triathlon. I start doing more. I'm doing like the Eagle Creek series in um, Indiana. I'm doing those. I don't know if you know the Eagle Creek Mm -hmm. series. Those are pretty popular ones. I think they're they're still around. So I'm winning a lot of local ones, but it's against the same exact people. It's like one, we always knew who was going to get first, second, third in the Midwest. It was always these me and these two other girls. And so then I was just, I was just obsessed with the sport. You know, I was, I was looking at magazines. I, I knew who all the names were. And I was working as a headhunter. I had like a sales job. I was working as a headhunter and a guy reverse headhunted me. One of my clients was like, I found a job. And I was like, whoa, you're my best person. Like, no. I was like, I was going to place you somewhere, you know? Damn it. Ching-ching. My ching is gone. And he goes, yeah, my brother-in-law works for active.com. Do you know who they are? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, they're in La Jolla. I'm going to start working with them. He's like, you should work there. He's like, you'd be great. And I was in Michigan at the time. And I was like, okay. I gave him my resume. And the next thing you know, this Fabulous lady named Diane St. John, who was the HR lady for, I think, competitor for years. She was at Active and then went to Competitor. Calls me up, flies me to La Jolla.
1: Way better than Iron Man.
0: Yeah. flew you out here. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Puts me up in the pink hotel outside of uh, the Cove right there. And I was like, oh, this is magical. I have an interview. I mean, that was when they were next door to the living room coffee shop. So... I interview there, it's these beautiful offices, and now I'm in it, right? I'm a triathlete that's gonna go work for active.com. I was so, so psyched. I move out here and I, I was lucky. I have these amazing, this is kind of a crazy story too, I have these amazing roommates that had gone to Indiana University and they just so happened to live in Solana Beach and they just so happened to have a room that opened up. And I was like, I'm driving down with my U-Haul. I was like, well, you guys gotta help me, you know? And they're like, yeah, stay with us, live with us. And it ha- I happened to live with the number one bleh, surf film producer, Taylor Steele, lived downstairs. And then upstairs was like this revolving door of like the top surfers in the world. And the guys that I knew were editors for his movies. So I knew them from Indiana. They had been out here, a place, a room opened up in their place. And so now I'm living with like Pro pro surfers, like Rob Machado was there, Kelly Slater was over, the Malloy brothers were over, the Weatherly brothers were over. So now I'm working at Active and all these people are like, oh, you're from the Midwest, you know. How did you find a place okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm living in Taylor Steele's place. And they're like, what? Like all the guys were like, You're living in Taylor Steele's house? <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, you know, I don't even, I don't even know the gravity of this really because I don't know surfing at all. This
1: divine design is so perfect. Like you had gotten a taste of California and now you're here. And I mean, does it get more California than living with a bunch of surfers? Yeah.
0: And the best in the world. And though, you're w- working in La
1: Jolla. Yeah.
0: It doesn't get better. <laughs> so now my train, well, my training changes now. It just drops to swimming the cove with friends, new friends that I met at active on lunch swimming UCSD masters on lunch, riding my bike from Solana beach to the cove. So it's like about 13 miles. So the biggest hills, like Torrey pines. And that was my training. I switched to like, okay, I just got to be this worker person that squeezes in the trainings wherever I can. And so I really didn't, um, train that hard. I would just say, I was like, what do you call that? A commuter trainer? I don't know. Was yeah, so just, you
2: didn't have a coach at this point. You're no, just no, like no. totally just, just discovering kinda, it on your own, just yeah. reading.
0: Yeah, ticking. just racing. At this point, I was like, I can't race and work. So I stopped. I just, cold turkey, stopped racing. I was like, I'll just stay fit. I love, I love staying fit. So my weekends were like riding my bike to the pool. I just have these weekends on my own. And you own.
1: were okay with that.
0: Yeah, I was okay with that. I couldn't, for me and my brain, I couldn't, I had to be, it had to be a 10. Like I had to not have a job if I was ever going to be a good triathlete. I didn't know how to do it with a job. I just didn't think that could happen. Nor did I, I was a volume trainer. I thought- Volume, volume, volume. And you more can't the do better. that with a job. Right. Like, if I can't do a 60 mile ride on Saturday and a 70 on Sunday, like, that's, I'm never going to be.
1: And were you training for anything more than like an Olympic distance? No. And you're doing that kind of volume?
0: I was a site, cy- I came from cycling. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. it was like, you know, a, t- a 40 mile ride to me was like, oh, really? Yeah. That's, you know, so as a cyclist, you're so used to doing so, so much. So you're
1: all or nothing. Like, all or nothing.
0: All or nothing. I'm all in or. yep. And so then what happens? So then I get, um, then active.com does really well. We go through phase one of funding. Now phase two of funding is coming and Mitch thrower tells us, look, guys, we're going to get sales. You guys got to kill it with the sales, get events. We need to get a second round of funding. So get every event on that website show that there's a demand for this. So we get tons and they were so awesome. They literally said, many of you will be let go. You'll get a severance package, but after we acquire the amount of events that's going to get us our second round of funding, we're going to let you guys go and we're going to keep on four people. And so they that's what they did. They got all the events that they needed to acquire and they kept four people and those people managed the accounts. So the salespeople were hitting the, you know, we were hitting the phones, getting people like any event director to get their event on the site and to activate it. Actually, not just have it on there, but activate it, have it live, have it be live registration on it, which was a tough sell back in the day, because you're calling old event directors, you know, trying to get them to give up their race. Yeah. So, but it worked. It was great. And it was so fun working there. And I made the best of friends. And so now I get let go. And I was like, yes. What else? I mean, a triathlete with a severance package. Are you kidding me? I was like, this is awesome. I got three months severance. I'm going to train my ass off. And I'll do some races. And so, I'm training with UCSD Masters. You know, I'm meeting, at the time, Jesse Stensland. You guys might know her. Juliano mm-hmm. um, Terrell. Kawe, who now has Bar- Barnana... Oh, yeah, I love Barnana. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And these are, you know, all the old school people. Mm -hmm. PT, all these people were swimming in lane one. And Mm -hmm. uh, Greg, what's his name? Oh, man, where does he work now? I don't know. But they're all fast swimmers, and I looked up to them. I was like in lane four, like the 130 lane or something, you know, the 130 send-off lane. But I was just training like crazy, and this lady comes up to me in the pool, and she goes, oh, you'd be perfect for Speedo. She's like, you would be perfect in marketing for Speedo, and they need someone in marketing. And I was like, oh, where are they? She's like, L.A. I'm like, oh, no, I just got a severance package. I was like, I really <laughs> want to train. I want to use my three months of severance and then look for a job. I just got a
1: severance. Like, got to jump. I was, I like, I just got a job. I just got a severance yeah, package. Yeah. She's like,
0: just go to the interview. You never know. And I was like, oh, okay. And I go to the interview, and Speedo hires me. And I was like, are you kidding me? I got to move from San Diego to L.A. now. So I moved to Brentwood, and I work for Speedo. And it was a dream job. I mean, I am lifestyle sports coordinator. That was my role. And I'm traveling with all the USAT triathletes, all the top in the world. At that time, it was like Hunter Kemper, Michael Smedley, Sheila Tormina, Barb Lindquist, Joanna Zeiger. Those were their top, top athletes. And, um, you know, I'm going to races and then I'm traveling with Pro Beach volleyball players those were the two main ones that i was traveling with we we did do water skiing and we did some other sports but those were the two that had the bulk of the events that i was at and whenever i would go train or sorry when whenever i would go to the triathlons of course the triathletes would get there i'd get there i'd take them on a great dinner on the speedos dime and um the next day they're like hey you should run with us because for them it was just an off day they were going to race in a the next day so they're like oh you know you should swim with us you should run with us and I think it was Michael Smedley at the time was like, Lucas, you still got it. And they're like, the Olympics are in 2004. At this point, it was 2000. And he's like, you're Greek. The Olympics are in 2004. They're in Greece. They're like, dude. He's like, you still got it. You're fast. I was like, Michael, I have not been on a bike. I've been riding like just to and from work. I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, I'm swimming in the 130 lane, you know? And he's like, no, you still got it, man. And you're Greek. Like, there's not that many Greek triathletes. And I was like, I don't know, you know, there probably is, and how do I even do that, whatever. So I just kind of put it aside and just kept training and then like Barb mentions it. Sheila mentions it. It starts, it keeps it keeps coming to me, but month like it took a long time of this kept coming to me. I'm like, no, no, you guys, like I would be competing against you, you people. Like you do you realize how fast you are? (laughs) Like, you guys are not swimming in the 130 lane. Like you guys are swimming in the 110 send-off lane, long course, you know? And so, like, who cares what, how fast you are? And then Sheila said to me, it's not about that. She's like, who cares? She's like, you're going to go for Greece. How beautiful is that to honor your parents, to honor the country they came from, and they came here to give you a better opportunity. And look at you now. You're, you can use your dual citizenship and try to go. And she's like, I don't even remember the Olympics. She's like, I got sixth. I think Sheila got sixth in Sydney. And she goes, I got six. No one knows who I am. She's like, no one cares. They only care about number one, maybe two and three. It's not about, she's like, it's about, she's like, honestly, when I went to church and saw all those athletes, she said around me at Sydney, she's like, that's what it was about. She's like, it's just about seeing that. I don't know. You're, you're.
1: Yeah. She has what I would say like that 10,000 foot view. And of course she's was on the other side of it, but she gave you, she was such a gift to you to say it's not about the watch; it's about look at this experience that's lining up that keeps coming into your awareness. Mm-hmm. Like what? Why are you looking in the opposite direction? It's so much more mm-hmm. than where you're going to finish or what lane you're sending off in in Masters.
0: Yeah. So now I kind of got the itch, and now that these two, like Barb and Sheila, are like, and Joanna Zeiger they were all trying to help me. You know, I'd say. I literally would email them and say, like, what swim set should I do? Can you guys help me? Everybody was pitching in. Michael Smedley was sending me track workouts and hill repeat workouts. and it's amazing. And, and, she, and not Sheila, but uh, Joanna Zeiger was sending me some swim workouts. And I was just piecemealing it together but still working for Speedo and trying to squeeze it in. Because marketing, you know, it's it's a hefty job. I mean, you're you're pulling some serious hours. We're you're going to events. Like, yeah. 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 You're, you know, if I'm at a Pro Beach volleyball event, I'm outdoors all day in the sun and I have to train at like five in the morning and then at night. And so, and then go to like an event that night, all showered and gussied up and like, woo, <laughs> King of the Beach, who won King of the Beach? So basically what happens is it this is really eerie. This is super cool. It is the night before 9-11. And at this point, I had reached out to the Greek Triathlon Federation. So I wasn't telling anybody but those people that I just mentioned. Michael Smedley, Sheila, Barb, and Joanna kind of knew that they had been plugging it. They're like, just ask the Greek Federation. So I'd stay up late at night, write an email to them because I knew the hours, you know, in Greece were different, obviously nine hours apart. And so I'd write emails at night saying like, hey, I'm, you know, this is how good I am. These are my times. And they're like, well okay, you sound like you're good, but we don't know if you are. Why don't you do a race against someone that we know, like big name in the States, and then send us the results so we can compare you to them. And so I was like, okay, so I had to find a race. And and then, you know, then you have to find your dual, figure out how to get dual citizenship and it's just paperwork and a paper trail. I'm like, am I really doing this? And I'm on the phone with Michael Smedley and it's like 2 a.m., the night before 9-11, or in a few hours it was about to happen. And Michael Smedley goes, You yeah, got you only live once. You are gonna totally regret if you don't quit your job and just go for this. He's like, You gotta quit your job and just go for this. You don't have much time and you need to, you need to do this. And so I'm like, okay, he's right. So I start writing my resignation at 4 a.m. to Speedo. And literally, I'm like, I can't wait, I, like, I wrote it, it was beautiful, it's perfect, it's 4 a.m., I'm like, oh, I can't wait to go give it to, his name was Craig Braumers, my boss, he was a great guy, and I was like, I'm going to give it to him, and I was like, I can't wait, tomorrow. And 6 a.m., I hear through the windows, like, someone's TV, and I'm like, what? I'm, like, waking up at 6 a.m., hearing that something, everyone's got CNN on in the neighborhood, and in L.A., all the apartments are so close, I'm like, what? And I run out to the living room, and my roommate's like, oh, my God, Oh my God. And you know, only hours ago, Michael Smedley says to me, You only live once. You have to do this. And I'm just like, I have the chills right now telling you guys this. I was like, I can't believe this. And so I'm like, Wow. So now everybody, it's an eerie day in LA. We go on lockdown. LA is under heightened awareness, so I can't go into work to give my resignation. So I was like, Well, what do I do? I go to the pool, I go to UCLA. The only person swimming that day in the pool, I mean, no one was out. And if people were out, it was like they were driving and you could see people in the cars or giving each other that that head nod, like we were all going through something. It was such an eerie day. And I go to the pool. It's long course, set up long course. And I'm swimming. And there is this woman swimming really fast. And I was like, damn, she's good. I should ask her if she wants to be my swim partner. We can meet here and swim together. She's a really good swimmer. She gets out of the water. And I only see her toweling off. And she turns to the side and she's ginormously pregnant. Like she's about to pop in like a day. And I'm like, damn, she was swimming so that fast. And she's like about to pop. So now it's just her and I in the showers together. And we start talking. And I'm like, wow, when are you due? And she's like, oh, I'm due in like a week. And I was like, oh my God. I'm like, that's amazing. And she, I was like, eerie day, huh? And she's like, yeah. And she's like, why are you here? I was like, well, I was going to give my resignation today. I was going to quit my favorite job in the whole wide world. And she's like, what is it? And I was like, oh, I do marketing for Speedo. She's like, oh, I was sponsored by Speedo. And it's Sean Welsh, the famous for crawling across the finish line of Iron Man. I don't know which Iron Man, uh, Dave Welsh's wife. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, are you like the Sean Like Dave, oh, Greg Welsh. Greg, oh Greg God, Greg. sorry. I was thinking Dave's. sorry. Scott. Scott, Yeah, <laughs> all those guys. The, the, and she's, I'm like, the Sean Welsh? And she's like, yeah, here's my number. And then I told her what I was about to do. She's like, oh honey, you have to do it. She's like, you have to do it. She's like, if you need help, my husband will help you. He'll coach you. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like this keeps, all these people are willing to help me. And I was constantly, I just was like, I'm not, I shouldn't be in this arena. I was like, yeah, but you know, I'm, I'm going to go for the Greek team. And it was always like, I'm not as good as them. And just, I, you know, and so she's like, who cares? Who cares? She's like, this is a beautiful story, you know, quit speedo. Um, so that was like a pretty divine moment, right? All these crazy little divine things start happening. And, um,
1: what I, what I love about this, and I know you want to ask and jump in anytime you want, like, this is all just a conversation, but what I love about what you're showing everyone is that nobody cares about your stupid times. Like, was, they just yeah. like were like, go for it. You know, like nobody cared. Like, oh, well, she's not good enough. They were coming to you like you were good enough. But like we still do that. Like, oh, it's just the Greek team. Like, oh, I just raced sprints. I don't do what you do. Yeah. It's like, stop. Everyone, everyone who's listening to this, stop yeah. dulling yourself. like that and that's ego right that's ego because the ego wants to push you down that's the ego energy just wants to push you down it wants to separate you I'm not as good it's only the Greek team it's not the U.S. team and all this other stuff but I love what what I'm feeling from this is like all these super high level amazing athletes are like just want you to succeed and to go for it and to see uh to see you have this experience and nobody's Saying that it's got to look a certain way,
0: but you got to go for it. It's honestly, I felt, and you guys are going to understand this. It's like, I felt like I was going to fail and I felt like they were so much better than me and I didn't want them to think that I thought I was as good as them. So it's kind of like saying, Oh, I didn't study for the test. Cause you, cause you didn't. we are giving yourself
2: an out already. You no. give,
0: that's what I want. That's it. Yeah. You're giving yeah, yourself sabotage. an out. Sabotage. Right. Good.
3: What what I mean I haven't really ever heard the story told in this entire and it's an entirety yeah um, from the eleven year old who got in the pool with the our fifteen year old who got in the pool with the eleven yeah. year olds and what, <laughs> hearing it you know in this fashion you knew at that point at fifteen swimming at the other eleven year olds you were just as good as everybody all the way down in lane eight and there was that constant confidence throughout everything you did it to a certain point in your life, entering a triathlon having never run before. What do, what do you think happened to change that outlook to suddenly go from never being intimidated by any situation you found yourself in to being intimidated by some people that you were now working to support?
0: I feel like the 11-year-old at the pool Though the people in Lane eight were attainable, I did not feel like the people mentioned on the that I just mentioned Barb, and I didn't feel like they were attainable. They were just like so pro like if you gave me like, oh, be a top age grouper I just didn't i i didn't I didn't think it was attainable.
3: Like, what made you feel that way
0: though? I don't know I just did I don't know I don't know well i'll I'll tell you guys I'll lead into another story because when I started training. I went back to home to Chicago. I quit Speedo. I was like, okay, I need to go home and save some money. And I need to train with fast swimmers. So I approached another swim team, Evanston High School, known to be the best swimmers in Illinois. And I approached the coach and I said, can I swim with your team? And I was, I think, 26 at the time or something. I said, can I swim with you? Or 28. I said, can I swim with your team? And he goes, yeah, but just don't like, get in the way. And I'm not going to coach you. Just keep up. And so he let me come to practices. And And this is a high school team? High school team. And they're that good? They're that good. They're kind of like North Coast Aquatics used to be. I don't know. I haven't lived here in a long time. And I know North Coast over at the JCC was like, they're a solid team. Like, they're
1: fast. Yeah, the kid athletes here, I told you, like, about the campus up the road for their high school. I mean, the the athletes here, the kids are insane. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So he let me swim with them. And it was, every day it was like, you know, just keep up. Just keep up. And I was back. I was now 26 and keeping, doing the same thing I was when I was 15, but I loved it, you know? And so, and the girls, you know, the locker room, like 16, 17, 18 year olds being like, good job, you know, telling me that I kept up that day. I'm like, this is so crazy. Did you tell
1: any of them that you were trying to play yeah, they to loved the Olympics? It.
0: They loved it. Yeah. they. Just this is fun. really
1: that's, a very interesting that's, dynamic. <laughs> that's
2: funny though, because that's today's triathletes, like Lionel Sanders is swimming with yeah. younger uh, swim clubs. Yeah. That's the secret. Like they're just kicking his butt. Yeah. But you were doing it in like 20 years.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So I'm doing it. And then the coach, this is so funny. The coach says to me, and, and this is the coach says to me, "Will you go to Flagstaff, Arizona with us. We're doing high altitude training at, at the high altitude camp. I don't know. It's not a camp. There's a pool, a long course pool there. There's a track right nearby. And, uh, he's like, I need a chaperone to drive the car. I need two vans, and you're of age to drive one of the vans.
2: (laughs) (laughs) When I come along, he's like, "You might as well earn your keep, lady." Yeah, it was totally
0: earn your keep. And so he's he brings me to the in his high altitude. We're swimming. He's like, "We're going to swim twice a day, but I know you want to ride and run too, so you can do both practices or you can do one of them. But just be here. Just here's the schedule, and just make sure the van is where it needs to be." And so I had my own room and the kids, all the kids. He took like the top, I want to say 16 swimmers. And one of them was like Olympic bound, 50 freestyler. His name was Terry. I don't remember his last name. But every day I'm swimming with them and I'm like, oh my God,
3: this is so
0: freaking hard. I mean, it was long course. It was altitude. Olympians were there. Other Olympians like using that pool. And nearby there was a natural grocery store. And you're going to, I don't, I have told you bits and pieces of the story, but you're going to love this. And I go in there every day to get, like, almond butter and peanut butter from the little grinding thing and just put it on my, like, Ezekiel toast. Because I'm i no longer eating the the cheddar tortilla and barbecue sauce or salsa, either or. And um, I walk in and there's this, like, meat, like, skinny, I want to say, like, 125-pound, 5'7 dude that looked like he was just emaciated standing behind a little like table, like a little sampling table. And I'm always polite to those people because I know like they just want someone to come to the table and talk to them, you know? And I'm like, oh, what do you do? And he's like, oh, I do um, kinesiology. He's like muscle testing and, and sports psychology. And I was like, oh, what's that? And he's like, well, what are you here for? He's like, I see you coming in here with kids every day and getting your almond butter. And I've been here for like three days and I've seen you come by. And I was like, yeah, I'm just here. I'm trying to go to the Olympics and I'm swimming with these kids, but they're way faster than me and I'm just trying to keep up with them and get faster so I can just go to the Olympics, hopefully. And he's like, I'm like, but for the Greek team, for the Greek team, not for the USA team. That's how I was with him. And he's like, why are you not as fast as them? And I was so pissed because he was so skinny and looked like he never did a sport in his life. And I'm like, well, they've been swimming since they were like two or five. And I started when I was 15 and he's like, staring at me like so and I'm and he's like what do they have that you don't have and I was like this mother <laughs> and I was like well they have a lot of experience and they their body is like really you know in aligned with the water and they have a
3: synesthesy
0: oh, for bullshit,
1: it girl exactly and
3: he's go- part of your narrative yeah and he goes to give yourself that yes, up. yes set yourself up
0: yeah. and then he goes so you want to go he's like let me get this straight you want to go to the Olympics you're swimming with kids that are way faster than you what, what don't you have like does your heart work and I was like yeah he's like you have two arms and two legs as far as I can see he's like what else do you need to swim I was like well, lungs and he's like you have lungs and there's nothing wrong with your lungs I was like no and he's like yeah I don't, what don't you have that, that they don't and I was like oh man calling
2: like, you out and then he
0: just goes like this and he points to his mind and I was like He's this little guru. Yeah. And then he goes, so let me ask you another question. He's like, when you see yourself going to the Olympics, what do you see? And I was like, oh, my face lit up. I was like, I'm chasing Barb. I'm chasing Sheila. I'm like Piper ventilating, chasing <laughs> Joanna. And he's like, you don't see yourself on the podium, like leaning your head forward to accept a medal. And I was like, no. Like, that's ridiculous, dude. Like, no, like you have no idea. I was, I was just like, you have no idea how hard it is. And he's like, why would you even like, you don't even see that. And I was like, no. And he goes, why don't you do a couple of sessions with me? You don't, and you don't pay me if, if you don't get faster in the pool while you're here with these kids, you don't pay me. But if you get faster, you pay me. And I was like, done. So I make a secret rendezvous with him. Who knows? Who knows? I was like, Oh, I'll come to your, your office. Good chaperone that I am. I'm like going to a stranger's house. <laughs> I tell no one, I tell no one. Cause I think the coach would be like, you're going to a strange person's house. Like he's probably more concerned if the van's going to get back the next day. You know, <laughs> like he's just like, I need a second van here. But I go and you're going to love this. And this probably is a long winded way to answer the question you asked me five minutes ago or maybe seven minutes ago. He had me read like three sheets of paper and it was like, I am beautiful, my mom loves me, I am, I am this, I am not this. There was a lot of I am this and I am not this, right? It was like three sheets of it. And he had me read it four or three times through. And it, So all of a sudden, I'm reading these sheets, three sheets, a bunch of little, I am beautiful, I am amazing, I am oh, I'm okay with being number one. It said, I am okay with being number one. He said, every time. I went through those sheets. I said I am not okay with being number 1. And I put the word not in there cuz the sheets goofed you up. There was like nots and ams mm-hmm. and and it wasn't there and I would put the word not there. And he's like, "Did you notice that?" And I was like, "No." And I'm I was I'm not okay. I'm I wasn't I wasn't okay with being the best water polo player. I was really comfortable with assisting, like being a great assister. but not the not the lead scorer. Like I was never going to be the high scorer. I was never in lane 8 when I was you know, 15, I was always just right in the middle of the pack and very comfortable there. I've never led a race like in my life. I was, Oh, I, I don't even, I wouldn't even know how, honestly, I because don't, you've never Because done it. I've never done it. I don't even know. I don't even know what that feels like. And it was wild to me that he picked that up and then he picked up some other stuff and we worked on it. It was like mother's guilt. He's like, he touched me here. He's like, oh, you have a lot of guilt. And and it was. It was I was not doing what my mom believed in. My mom thought you get out of college, you get a job, and you make babies. And um and then you have this beautiful life and you have a nice income and you have this beautiful family and you come home for Christmas and Thanksgiving. And I was going against what mom wanted.
1: And maybe a piece of that is that I'm I'm going against that. I'm going for this, which is like, oh my God, more than I could ever dream of, but I'm not fully going to succeed here. So mom can look at it and say, see, she went the other way and she failed.
0: Yep. It's like that whole loop, right? (laughs) Of whatever mom says is true and kids live their parents' truth because parents don't lie to their kids so you believe what your parents believe i've read that or heard that i think oprah did a whole special on it (laughs) and um it's crazy it's so crazy i was like living in this guilt world of going against what my mom wanted but anyway he picked up on that and then we did some visualization he goes have you ever seen yourself swim perfectly and i was like i was like no dude i don't swim perfectly and he goes okay have you seen someone else swim perfectly and i was like yeah he goes who I go Terry and I that boy and he's like okay can you see it and I was like oh I yeah totally can see it he's like can you see yourself doing what Terry does I was like oh yeah and I'm like oh yeah high elbow fingertip dry, like just smooth like sleek perfect in the water and he's like okay and then he had me listen to some CD at night and then he's told me when I go to the pool the next day for a second before I dive in see myself swimming like Terry And then just get in and do what I have to do. Don't think about it anymore. And that day was like an aerobic threshold day. And I kept up. None of the kids passed me. They couldn't believe it. The coach does not give a compliment and nor does he give one to me ever because I'm not one of his athletes. I'm just there to drive the van. And that night at dinner, the coach walked up to me and goes, what did you do overnight? He's like, you swam beautifully today. He's like, your elbows were high. You weren't swooping your one arm. You were breathing on each side. He's like, what did you do? And I was like, I wasn't about to tell him. I went to the stranger's house. I met him at the co-op. So I just went to him again and again. And that was my first dose of sports psychology, kinesiology. And I paid him because the honor system was like 75 bucks a pop. A lot of money back then for me. And that was it. I didn't believe I had the money for it, but I it worked. It worked. Immediately worked. Visualization, belief in self, breaking down. Were you down.
1: seeing that it was your mind, like the power of your mind? Or were you seeing like, oh, it was just these exercises that this guy had me do? Or did it stick with you like... Did you see, was it clear to you that it was, it was your mind, it was your belief system and the visualization that you had that allowed you to swim that way?
0: I didn't. I think my mind, I wasn't there yet. I didn't even understand that world. I was still physical, physical, physical. And I just, I really believed it was physical again. I keyed into the visualization part of it. I was, I was like, and that's another physical thing. I was like, oh, if you just do visualization, then you'll swim. But the whole belief in myself thing, and then I'm the... I'm not okay with being number one. I didn't even know what to do with that mm. after him. I didn't know what to make of that. It's like giving me ingredients to make a salad and being like, what is this? I'm not going to put this in the salad. I don't even know what it is. So it went away. What were you saying? having?
3: To actually wrap the visualization back to what we were talking about with the power of the mind. Visualization is actually a really... Uh, strong way to actually increase and improve our physical performance. Um, it's there's a functional equivalence theory, and basically, um, some individuals conducted research, hooked in uh, someone up, multiple someone's up to uh, fMRI machines, had them perform an action, saw which areas of the brain illuminate, so they know that on that particular movement, that's the neural network that is being used they left those individuals still hooked up to the fmri machines took away the physical tools the physical uh, implements being used in that skill set had them envision themselves performing that action and those same neural networks light up not at the same intensity but those same neural networks so that visualization is still giving us the same practice
1: i have a question for you do you think that those neural networks don't light up as much because those neural pathways aren't as developed as the physicality like when we think about like developing new neural pathways in the brain do you think it's because the visualization hadn't been practiced but that if we practice it more and more that those neural pathways will develop in that could very well light up just as much.
3: Absolutely, yeah. I, I, I. That personally, I feel that way. Yeah, I, I don't I know do what too. the research says, but I think the reason why it lights up at a higher intensity with the physical action is because more thought. It directly has to go into what you're actually doing. Mm-hmm. Whereas it is a practice of that mental skill to build that visualization practice, mm-hmm. to, to, to get that so you're lighting it up at a higher intensity, subsequently making that practice, that visualization practice that much more powerful.
1: I wonder if there's been like a lo- like longer term studies on that to see like if you can increase
4: Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm.
1: how those parts, how those neural networks light up. I, I yeah, would if you can increase the intensity. Like, yeah, yeah, I would absolutely say that, yes, that would happen. Yeah, look, for and, and sure.
3: So we, I'll definitely, i look into that. I've never thought about, hmm. but yeah, it's the functional equivalence theory. And uh, yeah, that would be interesting long-term studies. Uh, to see if with, like, dedicated practice of, you know, six months, nine months, a year, two years. Let's do it. Yeah, see. Let's You guys, do it.
0: collaboration. Yeah, let's
1: you and I,
3: let's do a study. That would
1: be
0: yeah. amazing. It was interesting. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean
3: that just rounds back to, the, you know, the mind. Yeah. And, and, yeah. And, 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 yeah.
0: I just, well, you guys know I work for Two Times You, and, and I work in the ambassador program, and I was just working with a guy, an up-and-coming pro. He just got his pro card, Ironman 70.3. Beautiful person. I won't name him just in case he doesn't want to be named. But he's a really good swimmer and he's like, I don't, I don't know what to do. Like he's never been in the lead in the swim, but he knows he can be. We were just talking on the phone and he's like, I don't even know how to, to navigate that. Like, what if I blow it all on the swim? And I was just. I could hear little things like he was comparing himself to, he was naming some other triathletes and saying how much better they are than him. And he just got his pro card. And I wanted to be like, and he's young. (laughs) I want to be like, Oh no, man. I was like, let your light shine, dude. Like go crazy on the swim and don't eat like, let, like, that's a gift. I told him that's your gift. Like if you're a swimmer, just fly. Like whoever's that swimmer that you're talking about next to you, which I won't name. And, uh, you know, I'm like, dude, just let it, let it soar. Like let it, Honor that gift that you have. Look at it as a gift while you're swimming. Be like, indulge in your gift while you're swimming and just love that you have that. Kick whoever's ass is in the water next to you that's just as good of a swimmer. But he knows that person is a little more advanced pro triathlete and has won lots of 70.3s. And I'm like, and just let it unfold. But go in there like honoring your talent versus calculating how much better that person is than you. And that's all I could tell him. I'm like, just love that you're that good. Like love that you're in this arena. You just got your pro card. Like how cool is that? And so he was like, yeah, yeah. Like we emailed a little bit back and forth. He's like, I think I'm going to do it. He's like, I think I'm just going to go for it. I'm like, just your, listen to your intuition, like whatever it's telling you. Cause I can tell he's itching to go. Yeah. And just go
2: like give in to your yeah. own greatness. Like, yeah. Just, so all the energy that you're focusing out on like other triathletes, Like, that doesn't even matter. You can use all that energy and just swim your ass off, right? And then whatever the result is, is the result. Then you know what to do. Now you know what to do against, now you need to work harder. Or you need to take this strategy. Like, just just go all in with with who you are as a triathlete. Like, right now, just go all in.
0: I wish, and you guys know a lot of coaches. I don't know. I'm not in the game anymore. But how accessible is this type of talk and this type of training Like having a Tommy on board. I know you guys are dialed into it and can tell your athletes like, dude, dive into your greatness, like let it shine. But how much of that in triathlon now, and I know you guys have podcasted so many people, what percentage of it is in their coaching now? Like, you know, I guess I'm asking how much of it is accessible to an athlete or is it still very physical? Are you seeing some of the mental coming in there?
1: I'm... Seeing some, like, Siri Lindley is, I think, a great example of somebody who's very, um, very much understands the mental game. Like, when we were talking, it was like I was talking to, like, an, a, another yogi, you know, yeah. and when we were on her, when she was on our podcast. Um, so I can speak to Siri. I think Siri is really beautiful in that and understanding, like, that it's a full symphony. But... From a lot of the athletes that we talk with, it's very heavy physical. Uh, I think that the science is showing that, you know, it is a very viable part of training. And I think more and more that the word is getting out that these people who have the edge are working on this. And having high level athletes meditate is really, really upping the game for everyone. Uh, So I think it's happening. It's like the plant-based movement, right? Like we see it happening. So like BJ and I have been doing this for a long time, well before anybody knew who we were. and um, But we just believed in it because we were like, this is going to happen and we're going to be the ones who have been doing it since before anybody even knew about it as far as like, the, the the meditation piece, the mindfulness piece. And so now, you know, we're finding high-level athletes coming to us for this piece. We're coaching with other coaches, but they're the coaches don't know how to teach this, nor do they have time because it's very, very physical. So they're finding that we're a great complement. They're, they're going out on their own to find us. Um, and then some people are just flat-out coming to us. Be, people are now coming to us because of what we Offer. That's awesome. uh, Whereas before, some people I think that were more hooked into the physical would come to us, and then it just didn't
2: just didn't work out. The people who are just so the numbers, like the numbers mean everything, and the numbers are important. They are important. We work with the numbers. Great, Numbers are great, but you need that other element. Yeah, you guys
0: are like the secret epo for the brain, (laughs) right? Because that that little epo world, which I got a glimpse of in Greece, was like it was secret. It was like really like it was like the athlete kind of like. Hey, do you know where I could you know, I heard, you know? But that's how like I feel like athletes are kind of being like, Hey, yo know, so, you know, why have you done any mindfulness stuff? Or like, Yeah, I know B J and Jess. Yes. They got it. It's
1: it's knocked twice on their door.
0: (laughs) Well, (laughs) that'd
1: be awesome. Um, I'd love to be the drug dealer of meditation. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But it's so cool. Like, I was just messaging back and forth with this coach in Australia who's, I'm just about to launch in a couple of weeks this M21 challenge, which is a a mindfulness challenge, 21 days. Mm. And uh, it's meditation every day. It's going to be guided meditations. It's going to be mindful living. So, like, it's not. Like you were saying, it's not just like meditate in the morning, but make your whole freaking life more conscious so that you understand that everything has awareness. You're either awake to that awareness or you're not. Mm -hmm. And so what we're saying is that you can train your brain to be awake to the awareness that you are dishing out. And then you get to see what you're creating in your life. And so it's just messaging back and forth with this coach from Australia. And he's like, I'm going to do it. And, you know, people, um, my athletes are going to be doing it too. And I'm like, holy my God, like that's more than I could have ever dreamed of. This is amazing. And When I see our little Facebook group growing, yeah. it's like athletes and, and uh, coaches and their athletes. And it's like, holy crap, this is unbelievable. And it's a dollar a day. It's $21 for 21 days, three weeks. Wow. And it, and uh, it's going to be awesome. I mean, I got, who knows what's what it's going to be because I'm, we're going to create. It. I'm doing it, partnering with another teacher, meditation teacher, but we create it in presence, right? Because in presence we have our full creativity and our power and our knowledge and our intelligence and so for me to put together like on day one i'm going to post this that might not be relevant on day one maybe on day one some shit's gonna go down in the universe that i need to speak about yeah. so that we can stop creating more of this crap that's going on in the world by complaining about and saying it must stop when we don't see that it starts with us because we don't have awareness that everything we're doing requires awareness but mm-hmm. we're sleeping through it
3: yeah. mm-hmm. be the instrument of change you wish to see in this yes, world. That is not bullshit. You will find it.
1: It yeah. is a real deal, right? Yeah. Look at Einstein's work. This guy is like, he's the best cause he's the scientist, but he's the yogi. Mm-hmm. He meditated. He would meditate. He would hold a ball in his hand and he would meditate until that ball fell. And then boom, he would get his, he would get his information in and he would go and work. Mm -hmm. And that's what he would do. He would talk about getting quiet He never called it meditation. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the spiritual laws and scientific laws, it's different language. Mm -hmm. They are exactly the same, Mm -hmm. right? Like for every, um, what is it? For every action, Action. there's there's an an equal and opposite opposite. action. Okay, well, that's the law of karma. Mm -hmm. Like what you put out, everything is a boomerang what you're throwing out there, that back. boomerang's gonna come mm-hmm. back. So I don't know what the barbecue sauce was about. But you threw a boomerang out at there and <laughs> got it I,
3: back. I, believe me, at one point <laughs> in my life I, that, it was it was a long time coming because oh I, I made some changes, but that wasn't for my youth.
1: Yeah, I was like yeah. a sharpshooter. That's why I waved. That's
3: why I waved. <laughs> <laughs> <That's why I laughs> yeah, <have>.
1: exactly. Because <laughs> That's what I do yeah, now. I, I see, like, I see that. It.
3: Yep, I got All right, that. I'm going to end
1: that contract. Yep, yep. Like, I'm done yeah. with it. Don't so create any more karma. I'm really excited Bad to karma. stand here with you both and say that, yeah, this is... Coming it's up it's, it's like happening. the up and coming neighborhood you know that people are like kind of interested in, but right. they're still it's a little cool. like is it safe Yeah, and, you know is it a religion it's not a religion it's a science, yeah,
3: yeah, and I think it's an extension of um you know for a long time we're told. Uh, maybe not told uh, explicitly, but implicitly that um, you know we're not we don't need to share our feelings. We don't need to let people know how we feel about them. You know we're we're maybe taught from a young age. Maybe maybe this is changing generationally, but you know, that you don't you don't share how you're feeling, especially men. You know you keep that aside. You're not a, you're not a tough man if you let people know how you feel. Uh, I mean I happen to disagree with that. I think it takes toughness to to be able to speak your truth, and it's it's easy to keep that inside, it's hard to be able to take that chance, have that vulnerability and, you know, let those people, you know, know. Um, yeah. and so I think that, you know, we're slowly evolving, um, you know, and allow and seeing the, you know, the, the positivity and the change that comes within and, and with on the outside from that. And I think there's that growth and it's the same thing. You know, you have these very archaic mindsets with the even diet, you know, it's gotta be X Y Z. And whereas, you know, the vegan, it, it, the proof's in the pudding. So, yeah. but it is not, you know, there's, it's not really pudding. So. No, but in talk about the
1: boomerang yeah. of what you're putting out there, mm-hmm. you know, when you're eating the, it's so funny. Cause when I look at a plate that has meat on it, I don't see it as food anymore. Mm. It's like, it's a dead body. And so, and we got to get more into your story, Miriam, because I know you kind of like, you kind of have to deal with this sometimes, mm-hmm. but we talked about it like where you're, you know, you're blessing it and you're grateful for mm-hmm. it, for what you need to put into your body at a certain time. So let's yeah, let's dive let's in deep. deep you. So oh what happens with the Olympics? Like, so, where do okay, you go? So boom. I love this dude at the sampling table.
0: I know. Off, where though. is he? So, he was, i <laughs> seen him.
1: He's so, I see him.
3: Yeah. He's the guy from. He uh, turned into you. Kane from Kung Fu. Yeah. Like, traveling. I
0: don't think he had a reflection in the mirror he's
3: foot mobile he's in some other (laughs) yeah it was so
0: wild oh man I loved him so so you know I still didn't believe whatever I was like what am I gonna do this was a beautiful thing Barb Lindquist says okay look why don't you just come to Idaho and Lauren her husband and her coach will assess if you are good enough to do this or not and I'm like well Barb I haven't biked and I show up at Barb Lindquist's house and uh this is such a wild story she had just won Lifetime Fitness at the time. Now they're called Lifetime Athletic. She had just won Lifetime Fitness. It was like the biggest purse prize in triathlon. It was a huge deal. She was the world champion. And um, she was getting ready for some other really big race. And I'm in Idaho. I fly in. And I'm like, I'm at Barb Lindquist's house and I'm about to train with Barb Lindquist. Are you kidding me? And another pro was there. Her name was Rebecca. She's from Australia. Rebecca Keat? I don't know. Blonde, super cute. I don't know. I wonder if it's on, on, is Rebecca keep on. from... I don't know. I don't Back know if in the she's day. Just yeah, I don't know. If you show but me a picture, I wanna,
1: yeah. I don't want to misspeak, but... Um, yeah, anyway.
0: so, so Lauren says to me, I, I fly in, and Lauren says to me, okay, we're getting up at 6, and you guys are going to do a run, and then afterwards we're going to go to the pool. I think that was day one. It was seven days with Barb. and Well, not with Barb, but under Lauren's care and with Barb. And she lived in Victor, Idaho... Which is close to Jackson Hole. And anyway, so I wake up and I'm like, oh my God, you know, altitude, Barb Lindquist. I think she she literally started the run, probably at an easy 6 30 <laughs> pace for Barb, like, do, 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 like warm up. And it was an out and back, and her and Rebecca ran, and I was starting to pant at like, you know, the 15th step. And she, they turned and looked back at me and go, it's an out and back we'll meet you on the way back and i was like okay i'm like waving like no problem you guys just go and i was like how am i gonna survive this week and i did and it was wonderful but i'll never there was a bike ride where we were doing the tetons and we were riding up the tetons and lauren is like okay you know we're all gonna ride she'll ride today whatever and i'm like trying to keep up and all we're in this group ride lauren her husband is a great cyclist and he looks over at my heart rate monitor and he just like leans over and looks at my watch and it's beeping and he goes, "How long have you been at 172?" And I'm like, "I don't know." <laughs> and I was just like a workhorse and he's like, "Drop back. He's like, "Just meet us at the top." So this was the whole week. It was like, "Just drop back, we'll meet you at the top." And but I watched that girl train. I watched her eat, I watched her like nap, and I saw the most disciplined athlete I had ever seen she she never ate past seven o'clock I think her dessert was grapes and I was like okay if this is what Barb Lindquist does then this is what I have to do too
1: and she was was like like, climbing (laughs) I watched her nap (laughs) I did
0: she napped in the car (laughs) she napped in the car before and you were like right next to her yeah I'm like fully erect in the seat. You're like, how many breaths is she taking? I'm gonna take one less. I'm gonna than her. pick
1: up her heart rate on my monitor right now and see what it is at resting. She wakes
0: up. I put my finger over her lips. Shh. No more words. Just, just, just hold relax. Me. So. I mean, it was amazing. So you were
1: soaking it up. I was soaking it
0: up. I was like, oh my God, she has the total gym. I have to get the total gym. She had a group on Sundays, like a church group that came over. And I was just seeing like, what is this alignment with Sheila, Michael, Smedley, and Barb were all very spiritual. And I was like, what is this connection to God and divine and... What is it? I was really curious about it, but I didn't again know what to do with it. But I noticed it. I made a mental note that some of the top athletes like surrendered to God. It was really interesting to me, but I again wasn't there yet to even know how to ask the question. And I think,
1: in another word for what you're saying, is like they, they had an ability to detach f- and trust mm-hmm. whatever the outcome was, was the the intended outcome for them but leading up to whatever that was they weren't going to give up on anything they were going to keep hitting it every single day but they they weren't defined but what that by what that endpoint was
0: i mean i have the chills with you saying that because i found the words to ask barb that i mean literally you just answered it the way she did i said to her aren't you like freaked out like you have this big race coming up everything is like you're you're peaking for this race coming up. I forget which one it was, but it was after Lifetime. And I'm like, aren't you freaked out that you might not win? And she looked at me and she was like, I leave it up to God. If it's God's will for me, for everything to go right for me that day, then it will. And if it didn't, then it didn't. And I was just like, what? Yeah. Like, what? Like, how do you, can I download that into my brain? Like, how are you not freaked out at all? And I wanted so badly... I guess leading up to where we're going to go here soon is I was so curious, but I didn't know what to do with it, but I was curious about that mentality. And like you said, she, 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 she didn't define herself by it. It was her gift. And it was this beautiful. She was expressing it. That's what she did. Every race was an expression of this beautiful gift. And, if it all came together, it was God's will. And I was like, that's so amazing. And I kind of asked Sheila the same way and Michael Smedley, and they kind of answered similarly. There was some divineness, come like there was some message coming towards me, but I didn't know how to interpret it.
3: Yeah, I think it's, it's being able to just have a new, neutral approach to what you're performing and having no attachments or expectations to the outcome. Because when we have an expectation, to that outcome for of an outcome and then you know we have attachments to that the deeper they are the greater the disappointment can be to us whereas if we can maintain or uh, approach with neutrality and to say hey today is i'm here i arrive at this start line i have put the work in And I'm going to get, you know, I don't know what's going to happen to me when I get in the water or on the bike. You can't control uh, a flat. You know, I'm showing up here to the best of my abilities, maintaining neutrality and no real attachments or expectations for an outcome. I think it's that's what we want to work towards with our performance, because then we can. You know, just accept what comes that way, and we learn from it and move forward. I
0: see. I wish I, I wish I had this. But when I was, it comes with experience. But yeah. there's
3: your back to you. Yeah, like you, how long have they been doing that?
0: But you, your
1: blueprint was perfect. It, it was, was perfect. perfect. Just <laughs> <laughs>
0: is
2: it's exactly it's, the way It's it what have been. you <laughs>
0: needed. Yeah. yeah, for your wake up. Yeah, and yeah, so. Absolutely. So my favorite part, it's kind of a funny part of the story, and then we'll switch from Barb and go into Greece, but she lived up this gravel road. It was like single track gravel, straight uphill. I wish I could tell you the percentage of incline, but she was the world champ and I was training with her. And I would always, at the end of the rides that week, I would always fall back. And they'd be like, why is she like totally slowing down before we get home? And it was single track gravel. And I was like, I'm going to take out the world champ. I'm going to take out the world. She's invited me here to just train with her. She's just being so sweet, throwing me a bone. Like, her and her husband just, like, are like, oh, how cute. She's here training with us, trying to see if she's even talented. And I'm like, what if I take her out in front of her own house? Like, they're never, I'm like, oh, my God, so freaked out all week. More probably that I was going to take out the world champ on a, like, tip over on a gravel road on my (laughs) road bike and just stupid fluke accident. So kind of a silly story of being at Barb's house, but... It was beautiful, and then at the end of the week, Lauren assessed me and was like, look, I'll coach you. He's like, if everything goes perfectly right for you, no death in the family, no injuries, no nothing, you can probably make it for Greece and make it, and make it into the Olympics and maybe even do well. He's like, maybe even do pretty good, you've got time. You're good at all three sports, you just need the right coaching. So he coached me for a little while, but now it's time to mosey on over to Greece because Greece is not going to just support you and not know who you are. So I have to make it on their national team and you have to be top two in their national team race that they host there in order to make it on their team. And so I fly there. This is so wild. I fly to Greece a week before, no, I'm sorry, probably like three days before this national race. And I'm meeting all the triathletes there, and they're all Greek. And the guys were all about it. They're like, cool, this American's girl's coming. She's going to maybe join the team. But the girls, it was like Nancy Kerrigan, Tonya Harding. It was like, <laughs> who is this girl coming here to try to take our spot? Like, who is this American and so I knew, you know, be low-key, just go in, just, you know, don't be like, hey, I'm Were you here. born in Greece or were you born mm-hmm. here? Oh, so I was you didn't, born here. You didn't even have that, like, girls, I was born on what um, Yeah. What yeah. year is
2: this? The year before the this Olympics?
0: This is or? 2001-ish. So okay. the Twin Towers the go down. I probably, oh, sure. I probably am out there, I probably make it to Greece finally in like 2001, where I'm actually living there, training on the, racing with the team. So I make it on the team by racing in the national race. I was in this is such a crazy story. I didn't, I also didn't have, I didn't menstruate for 11 years because of the hard training, very low calorie. There's a lot of that going on that I haven't touched on in the story, but the day of that race I get, it's like 6am and I get my feminine, my female cycle. And I was like, what? I don't even know where to go buy like a tampon. I don't know where to go. Like even get this stuff It's 6am and I'm in Greece and the race is in like a few hours and I was like, Oh my God. And I think it was just the jet lag, the stress and the non-training. I didn't train for like a few days on the flight, whatever. I don't know what it was, but it came and I hadn't seen it in 11 years.
1: Whoa.
0: And, um, I was like, okay, now I got to deal with this. And I was so jet lagged. Everything just was wrong for me that day. But I was like, I did not in that race. I was like, I did not quit. I was in third place the whole way. I was like, I did not quit my favorite job at speedo. I did not move into my parents' house and do all these. I did not give up everything to take third and not make it on this team. And that girl in front of me, I remember, I was like, I got to run her down. I have to run her down. I was dying. And I, I ran her down right at the end, and I got second, and I made it on the team. And that was it. I make it on the team, and now I have to find a place to live. I didn't even know where to live. And so... I somehow find this lady through a family friend and she lets me live with her and then I find a studio apartment but now I'm living in Greece training with the team and we have a coach and then I'm not a great runner. I'm like a 630. That's where I feel comfortable. 630s. I can race a 10K at 630s but that wasn't going to cut it. I can swim in the 120 lane send offs in long course but to hold like 110s is very hard for me. 115s I would need 5 seconds rest to repeat a 115. And now I'm I've seen Barb swim, so I'm comparing myself to the world's best. I'm like if I'm not swimming like 108s in a race, I'm not coming out of the water with Barb Sheila and why am I comparing myself to Barb Sheila and Joanna? These are girls that made it Olympic level swimming. But every day that I'm touching that wall at 115 every single day I'm basically left there going, I'm not Barb. I'm not Sheila. I'm not Joanna yet today. And I would leave a loser every day.
1: Yeah. I'm not good enough.
0: Every day. Mm. And I don't know why they were my, they, that's just where I decided that I had to be. And I'm sure a lot of athletes do this. You've probably talked to tons that have, that do the same thing. And that's, that's where I lived. I lived in comparison to the world's best and I had only what dusted off the bike a little while ago. So they get me a track coach an actual track and field coach who only trained Olympian track and fielders and he had to get me down to a six, at least a 6 minute pace if I'm and I think those years Carol Montgomery was racing too and so the the run was fast and he's like you're nobody if you're not at least running sixes off the bike and so it's going to take a lot of work to get you there it's going to take a lot of drills i'd never done stuff like this and That's when extreme dieting started. I started seeing the track and field girls. I started seeing the shape of their bodies. And I started just being like, okay, I need to have if elite run if elite racers look like I've seen Barb's glutes. I have seen elites next to me and their glutes were like thoroughbred horses. And I was like, my glutes don't look like that. I'm still kind of big up top, like not really lean. I still had those swimmer shoulders. And I was like, okay, I just, and then my coach would constantly hit me on the butt because I had hips. I mean, I had a little booty on me and he'd go, Maria, Maria, you got to lose the hips. And so they told me that before a race, I needed to drop five pounds. I was about one twelve, and they wanted me to drop five pounds before every race. And so they would tell me just diet, but they wouldn't tell me what to do. They just told me to diet. And what I did was do a can of tuna and an apple a day. And I would lick a little bit of honey for dessert And that's what I did. And I'm telling you, I was doing two-hour swim workouts, some days three- to four-hour bike workouts, plus a track workout, and that's all I was having. How was your mind? Like, what was your... How were you able to focus? And God, your brain
1: did not have fuel. I
0: just pushed. All it was was just, honestly, this is...
1: adrenaline every
2: time.
0: Not even adrenaline. It was like... yeah. I don't I can't say that on the you can podcast. You say whatever you want. You want. Every but swim stroke was like don't be a fucking pussy. You're a fucking yeah. pussy. You're a fucking pussy. Don't be a pussy. There was no love. <laughs> it was all like you got to muscle through this every single day. And so, True then fortitude. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy and then my coach was like My track coach. I had a. I had a running and swimming, or sorry, a cycling and swimming coach. But my track coach was like, you got to do L-carnitine that gets you leaner. You do it before a practice, and now it's injections in the car of L-carnitine. And for me as an American, like injections was a big deal. We can't get needles in the United States. Like in the pharmacy in Greece, you can get a needle very easily. You can even get iron, you know. And so now we're doing injections of L-carnitine, and I knew that. He's in the Olympic world. He he trained Olympic runners, very fast ones. And I knew who they were. And I knew they had gone to world championships, which is very, very good. If you make it to world championships, it's almost more elite than the Olympics. Mm-hmm. And I knew who his athletes were. And I was like, I, was, I felt honored that he even took me on as a project. And it started with L-carnitine. And then, you know, the dieting. I got staph infections. I got eye infections because of all the... The dieting, being in dirty pools, my body couldn't, couldn't fight things. And you're training mm-hmm. through all of it, staff training infection. Training through staff tra- infection to the point, have you guys seen something about Mary? Yes. Woogie, Woogie at the end yes. with all that pus on his face. Oh, yeah. That was my leg. Like my lower shin looked like Woogie's face and my whole leg had like pustulates all over it. And I remember I had a boyfriend at the time and he's like, sleep with that leg off the bed. <laughs> like literally like don't touch that leg on me. And, um. I just wouldn't go to the doctor because I knew it was something bad and I knew the doctor was gonna tell me I had to stop training. So then when I finally the, the had the immune to,
3: system is just yeah. so depressed from all the training and lack of proper nutrition, probably sleep too. Constant huh? yeah. so fatigue. Yeah.
0: So I go I kind of like kinda of messed up the story, but I'll just fast forward. I had some injuries, I had a lot of I had a torn iliopsoas. I started aqua jogging, fast forward to the staph infection. And now it's like two thousand and right before the Olympics. So it was about February, the Olympics were in August, August 14th, I think was the event. And I tear my iliopsoas probably in February. I recover from that. And I've heard some of your athletes, I mean, recovering from a torn psoas, you are, well, first my coach was like, oh, don't even worry about it. You're gonna go to see Dr. I think his name was like Stamatis. He's like, he sees all the track and field athletes. You'll be running in ten days. I'm like, what? I was like, no, I tore my ilio and I was freaking out. I was like, the dream is over. The dream is over. He's like, no, no, go to this guy. And then all of a sudden, some German doctor comes in, and he has this huge needle, and they get an ultrasound, and they see where the tear is, and they inject it with something, some German drug. And literally, I go to PT for ten days, and I start running again. And. It hurt, but I mean, I was running like one lap around the track. Next day was two laps around the track. You know, 30 seconds went to, you know, I start mm-hmm. running again. I aqua jogged. I got faster. I got to a, a six minute mile off the bike. I raced. I wasn't winning tons of races, but I was, I was actually winning the hot races. And my husband loves this. I love Bikram yoga and I love the heat. And so the races that I knew I was going to win were the ones where the athletes were like, oh my God, we're going to get dehydrated. It's 37 degrees in France. People are dropping dead. Like It was on the news and I'm like, yes, I'm going to win this one because everyone's so freaked out over dehydration. But that's where I did. That's where I excelled. So in my ETU career, I only won three races and they were like, Bulgaria. They were like <laughs> these like offset weird little towns I actually have. The, mm-hmm. Them framed at home and they're Greek, they're in Greek like the wind. But anyway, I get the staph infection. It, the staph infection was in the summertime, I think it was like in May. No, the staph infection was July, late July. And the reason I know this was because all of Europe goes, and you guys probably know this, a lot of Europe goes on vacation in August, and doctors are not in Athens. They go to their summer homes. And I had to find a dermatologist to figure out what was going on with my leg. And she's like, yeah, you have a staph infection, da, da, da. So I tell my coach, I was like, look, I have a staph infection. I can't swim. And he's like, all right, look, he's like, we need to have a serious talk. He's like, you, it's like July, the Olympics are in August. You finally got to a six minute mile and now you have a staph infection. He's like, your immune system is wrecked. It can't handle the dieting that you're doing. And it can't handle the training that you're doing. He's like, so something needs to fill that gap. And he's like, we need to start EPO. And this is like super true story. I hate to, th- you know, I'm not going to say his name or anything. And I was like, what? You know, because coming from the States, EPO is such a like, what? And I'm like, how do you do it? And I'm like, you know, and this, I was jogging with him at the time. And he's like, look, he's like, you um, don't even worry about that. I know where to get it. And there's a way to do it. And so-and-so on it. And I'm like, so and so's on it. And he... Told me who was on it and this person had gone to world championships in a in a running race i won't even say the distance because i don't want it to go there and so i was like what he's on it he's like golden like 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 mama's boy like you know church on sunday i'm like he's on evo and he's like yeah and i was like of all people he's on i was like and he's like yeah and i was like how did he not get caught at world championships and he's like because i know how to do it we know we take care of that part for you and he's like, so while you're finishing your antibiotics, because I've never administered EPO and antibiotics together. He's like, so when you're done, he's like, I want you to stop training for three days. You have three more days of antibiotics. I want you to stop training for three days. I want you to think about what I'm saying to you. And he also said, I also don't want you to do this ever again. He, he like really, my coach like loved me. He wanted to see my dream come true. And he goes, but I don't want you to do triathlon after this. He's like, I want you to go back to the States, get your marketing job back, and, and get your life back. Like, just do this this year. Because I've seen athletes take this and be like, oh, yeah, this is, this is now the way, right? Like, now I'm going to be good every year. Like, now, it's, now I'm in it. And that really scared me when he said that. I was like, wow, like, whoa. For someone to say that with that gravity, to tell me, like, quit the sport, don't, after this, do not do it, it. It hit me like, this is bad. This is bad stuff. And I literally went to my apartment in this little tiny studio. And I was like, what am I doing this for? I have a staph infection. I've had a million injuries. I looked at my bike at the time and I was like, I hate riding you. I like literally was talking to it. I was like, I'm so tired of getting on you every day. I can't wait till this is over. And I can't wait to go back to San Diego and see all my friends And I go, so why are you doing this? And I literally asked myself that in every, I didn't wanna know the answer, but it it kept coming to me. I'm like, I'm only doing this to go back to San Diego and get high fives from all the active.com pals and all my yoga pals and all my friends that are rooting rooting for me. I was only doing it so that they can say, my friend went to the Olympics. And I was like, sick and twisted is it that you're about to put drugs in your body You have a staph infection. There was other things that went on too psychologically that I was like doing, you know, to get to the goal. I mean, I would practice, I would practice laying in bed and a call coming in that something happened to a family member and how I would have to say on the phone, I'm sorry, I'm training for the Olympics. I can't really come back and be at that person's funeral. Like I would practice these things in bed instead of practicing like beautiful things. I was practicing compartmentalizing Mm -hmm. And I don't practicing. I don't know toxic stuff, and so I was like, "This is sick and twisted. You're gross. You are a gross, person. Like all you care about is getting high. Like who are you?" And then I was like, "I don't want this anymore." And I was scared to tell a lot of people that I didn't want this anymore, including the people that invested in me, the time, the coaching, the belief, and. My triathlon, my swimming and cycling coach was pretty upset, but he understood the person that was offering me EPO was actually really happy that I, did, that I opted out. He, he was happy and he's like, are you sure? He's like, are you absolutely sure? I was like, I'm sure. I don't want this anymore and I don't want it to come to this. And honestly, part of my ego was like, I don't want to be the girl that did EPO and didn't do well at the Olympics too. <laughs> like, let's go there. Let's go there.
1: <laughs> this is like your rock bottom. This yeah. is it. Well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah kind of. Cause yeah. we have another one coming. <laughs> There's another one coming. So <laughs> this is rock bottom one. Yeah. One, but rock I think one. that the most beautiful moment, you know, one of the most beautiful moments in your life is when you just like, Opted. it got so bad that you had to quit, that you got to question it, that you got curious about it. And like, the higher being within you doesn't give a crap about how long you had been away and disconnected from your true self. It only celebrates the moment that you came back, and so that was the moment that you started to step back in. And that's like those are the moments that of like victory. That's
0: the victory right there. Man, if we can live in those, like extend that life in that, because you. Even now, and and we'll you know we'll get there, but you I fall into like you guys you feel I feel like you live there and you know how to go there if you fall out of it, I fall in and out of it still, I still do and and it's it's neat it's a pocket and I'll, I feel like you live in that pocket and I'll, I guess it's a pocket of self love it's a pocket of awareness it's a pocket of complete separation of ego and I feel like you know how to go there, if not be there all the time from what I've met and the, the, the limited time I've spent with yeah, the two of you. Yeah,
1: but it was, a, it was a brawl to get here. And I'm not saying that I don't not, fall out. I just, right I, that neural pathway is so well developed that I just, I see, I see first.
0: That's all that you see first. That's huge. I see
1: first, like 90, am i am not saying all the time? Because if I saw first all the time, like I probably wouldn't still be in a body, but a very (laughs) high percentage of time I see first. And I've chosen the path to, I've chosen the highest good for all so many times that that's just a viable, reasonable choice for me to make. And it's not such a big deal anymore, but it was like, it was a street fight. It was like a knife fight. It was a brawl. It was yeah. like a bar fight. It mm-hmm. was,
0: it was bad. It was a, it was. I want to hear this story. Yeah, I honestly, mean, it was,
1: it was. You gotta
0: have to. You, pod, you have to podcast her. <laughs> Come on.
1: <laughs> it was a brawl. But I just kept choosing. I just kept choosing, and it started with just like I'm choosing to be a bitch right now, but at least I'm choosing it. Okay, that was my first step. I'm choosing to hate right now. But I'm going to, I'm choosing it. Like I I, ha, I could see it and I chose it because I couldn't, I didn't have the development to choose love yet. Mm-hmm. And so, but you just keep, you start with just seeing and you mm-hmm. saw in that moment
0: and you chose.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I felt so relieved when I really chose because I remember I had just raced in France and those bikes weren't put to, I had two bikes I hadn't put them back together I didn't want to put them back together, and I kept being like, "Am I really doing? Am I really doing this? I'm not putting." And I remember selling them, and this guy came over to buy them, and he's like, "Are you absolute? You're? Are you sure?" And I was like, "Mm-hmm." I was like, buy "But those me. are the
2: tests. Those are the tests." The- it, it was you know, like-, like, "Are you absolutely sure?" And you still have an out. You still have that out. But when you made that decision, how like empowering is that? Like- it was
0: freaking awesome. It was awesome. And I have a friend that lives here in Encinitas and he's I I called him first and I was like I'm done. And he's like, "Whoa." Don't leave Greece. I want to come visit you. That's what he said. <laughs> That's what he said. It was hilarious. So, all right. So you come home. Yeah, I come home. And
1: so you're not training for triathlon anymore. What'd you do?
0: Well, of course. Well, but you don't just come down off of tons of training. And <laughs> you don't just,
1: just come down off of starving yourself, training like yeah. a crazy person, living with a staph infection, and almost taking yeah
0: performance enhancing drugs. Yeah, and come back a totally different person. Like, let's not lie to ourselves. That cool little divine moment I had that went away. That was like a oh, little. Yeah tiny glimpse like I'm going to default into the crazy person again
1: that I think you had like your mastermind group was with you like you had all your support systems that the, your metaphysical support systems beyond this existence right there by your side championing championing you yeah. and you made the choice and then they were like all right whoo that took everything yeah. all right She's she's not buying into it, but at least we got her there. And let's yeah. just see where she takes it next. So, well, where still, did it go
3: next? Still more growth. Get
0: ready. Yeah, <laughs> just, yeah, she still has more to learn. Yeah.
3: yeah. We're all still on the path, but yeah.
0: Yes. Yeah, this path was, I, I guess my masters really needed me to learn, so. I know,
1: right? Are you hanging on the edge? Maybe just a little bit? Just wait, you guys. You have no idea what's coming. Marianne's story hits elements of disbelief of what anyone could endure as a functioning human in this life and will dispel all feelings of anticipation next week with part two of our conversation with Marianne Lekas. Thank you so much for tuning into today's show. I am fresh off my vegan academy training in New York City, and I'm already working with some folks who are ready for more plants in their lives. I am now a vegan lifestyle coach and educator, and along with BJ being certified in plant-based nutrition, we have got your back if you're curious about raising your vibe through plant-based nutrition. Be on the lookout for some packages coming soon. Also, we have two more available spots for high-vibe retreats January and March. A retreat with your bestie, training partner, or spouse would make the absolute perfect holiday gift. As one of our HVR guests said, if you're not willing to get uncomfortable and explore your thoughts and feelings, this probably isn't for you, even though it may exactly be what you need. But if you're ready to push the boundary, I highly recommend it. So if this is speaking to you, reach out and we can get your retreat booked. This is a weekend that you will not regret and never forget. And I can only imagine how powerful this would be for a couple. So thanks so much for your support of the show, you guys. Our Patreon page, we are loading in exclusives, previews, We're going to start putting in some yoga workouts, strength workouts, all that good stuff. So if supporting the show through Patreon is speaking to you, we would gladly have you. This has a huge impact on the life of the show. I cannot stress that enough. So thank you everyone who has donated to Patreon to help keep the lights on and keep this show going. And I think that's it for this week. So pay attention to your love and take a little tally is just as much coming in for yourself as going out for others because If you don't put your oxygen mask on first, you guys, you can't help anyone in this life. Our ability to assist others comes from our ability to love and assist ourselves first. This is the awake and ready life, a way of moving through the world that is for the good of all. And don't forget that that includes you.